Good morning, church. I don't know about you. I'm pretty excited today. You guys excited? Oh, come on. I think you can do better than that. Are you excited? There we go. I am super pumped. And one of the things that I'm so excited about this letter in particular is that kind of Dan kind of briefly talked about this last week. So if you didn't listen to Dan's message last week, after this service, go listen to it because it was amazing. But one thing that he kind of said is that we kind of need to just read the passages for the art. And that's one of the reasons why I love the letter to Ephesus is because it is very simple. There's, there's not a lot of complexity to it. There's not a lot of like hidden meaning that we need to search and find. It is just this simple letter to the church of Ephesus. However, it is a very crucial letter. And I actually believe out of the seven letters that is written, this is probably one of the most important ones, if not the most important one. Because if we don't get what Jesus is saying to the church of Ephesus, we are kind of in a lot of trouble. Now, I, I will explain that after we read this letter to Ephesus, which is Revelations 2, 1 through 7. Write the following to the messenger of the congregation in Ephesus. To those who words of the one who holds the seven stars firmly in his right hand, and the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know that all that you have done for me, you have worked hard and persevered. I know that you don't tolerate evil. You've tested those who claim to be apostles and proved that they were not, for they were imposters. I also know that you have bravely endured trials and persecution because of my name. Yet you have not become discouraged. So right there, that's pretty cool, right? The Church of Ephesus is doing a lot of things really well right away, right? You know, they hate what is evil. They are able to test false teachers. And also they endure persecution without grumbling or complaining. Those are a lot of great things. However, it doesn't end there. If it did, this would be a very different message. Yet I have this against you. You have abandoned the passionate love you had for me at the beginning. Think about how far you have fallen. Repent and do the works of love you did at first. I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place of influence, if you do not repent. Although, to your credit, you despise the practice of the Nicolaitans, which I also despise. To the ones whose heart is open, let him listen carefully to what the Spirit is saying. Now, to all the churches, to the one who overcomes... I will give access to the feast on the fruit of the tree of life, which is found in paradise with God. There's a, so seven verses, but there's kind of a lot to unpack, even though it's incredibly simple. You know, as I was reading this, I was like, how would you feel as the church of Ephesus getting this letter? You know, first, Jesus is like, oh, you're doing this well. You know, you're hating what is evil. You're testing uh, false teachers. And you endure prosecution. But then he goes into, but oh, how far you have fallen. <laughs> right? You kind of just think, and I don't know about that, but I, I think I would almost get, like, offensive and be like, what are you talking about? I still love you. <laughs> but here's the thing is that the church of Ephesus is kind of missing the whole point. You know, when we look at Scripture, when we think about you know, even says that they need to repent. So they have committed this sin 
of abandoning their first love. Right? And, you know, I've, over this past couple weeks, I've read a lot of different commentaries and a lot of opinions on this. You know, and some of them even said, I remember I read one that says that he thought Jesus was being a bit harsh. And I was like, is he? And I came to the conclusion, he, was, he wasn't because the church of Ephesus didn't just commit a sin. I actually believe they committed the sin. They have missed out on the point. And I want to get to this because I actually think they failed to, to do the greatest commandment. So the commandment that Jesus gave the Pharisees when they asked them, what is the greatest commandment, Lord? Which was in Matthew 22. When Jesus answered the Pharisees and he said, love. Love the Lord your God with every passion of your heart, with every energy of your being, and with every thought that is within you. This is the great and supreme commandment, and the second is like it in its importance. You must love your friend in the same way you love yourself. Contained within these commandments to love, you will find all the meaning of the law and the prophets. So Ephesus is missing this. This is what Ephesus is missing. They have somehow came into this point where they are no longer in love with Jesus. Because they're missing everything here. Missing it all. They're missing everything that Jesus commanded us to be. And it, it's, I, it's actually interesting because I actually also believe that Ephesus is also not commit, has also missed out on the second half of this as well. Because the original passage in Revelation, it says, you know, you've abandoned your first love for me. Repent and return to the act of love you did at first. So I not only believe that Ephesus is failing to love Jesus— I also truly believe they are failing to love others. That's kind of a big deal. And John makes a big deal of this as well in 1 John 4. Those who are loved by God, let his love continually pour from you to one another. Because God is love. Everyone who loves is fathered by God and experiences an intimate knowledge of him. Those who don't love has yet to know God for God is love. The light of God's love shined within us when he sent his matchless son into the world so that we might live through him. This is love. He loved us long before we loved him. It was his love, not ours. He proved it by sending, oh, yeah, sending his son in a pleasing sacrificial offering to take away our sins. Delightfully loved ones, if he loved us with such tremendous love, then loving one another should be a way of life. That's kind of huge, right? You know, this is, this is the commandment to love each other, to love Jesus. And I, and I became wondering, which was kind of interesting, I find, is that in the book of Revelation, when it talks about the church of Ephesus— it starts with them in this camp over here, which says all these things they're doing well. Right? You know, you know, they're hating what's evil. 
They're testing false teachers, and they're enduring persecution without grumbling or complaining. You know, I, I can't deny that those things aren't good, for they are good. But yet Jesus goes into and says, but how, how far you have fallen? So the, my next question is, then if they don't love Jesus, why are they doing those things? Right? Because, you know, these things should come out of our genuine love for Jesus. But here's where I think the church of Ephesus kind of started to stray, because I think Ephesus was doing those things not out of a genuine love for Christ, but out of duty. And I don't know, I, I, sometimes we do this. You know, I often think about my life as a teenager. You know, I go back to every once in a while. I, you know, it's been a long time, but I was once a teenager. <laughs> Some of you say, that can't be that long. But <laughs> anyway, when I was a teenager, I remember when my parents would tell me to do chores, and they'd be like, take out the garbage, do the dishes, mow the lawn. I did those all out of a sense of duty. It was never out of love for my parents. And I was like, well, if I don't do this, I'm probably going to get my butt whipped. <laughs> so I did it out of genuine duty and a little bit of fear. <laughs> you know, I loved them in different ways, but that was always out of duty. And then I got married. And then I realized that my beautiful, amazing wife, that acts of service was her love language. So all of a sudden, I had to shift gears a little bit, and the things that I once did out of duty, I had to start doing out of genuine love. And that changed how I do them. Now, sometimes I will slip back into duty over love. We all do. You know, and then we, we can even apply this to our Christian lives. You know, a lot of times we will slip away from genuine love and into genuine duty with a lot of things like, Oh, I, I tithe, I serve, I come to church every Sunday. Sometimes we do those things not out of our genuine love for Christ, but out of that's what Christians do. That's kind of where we kind of mess up. That's kind of where we need to kind of remember what Christ is calling us to. Because it's very important. I actually want to read Revelation again but in a different translation. I see what you've done, your hard, hard work, your refusal to quit. I know you can't stomach evil, uh, that you weed out pretenders. I know that your persistence, your courage in my cause, that you never wear out. But you've walked away from your first love. Why? What's going on with you anyway? Do you have any idea about how far you have fallen? A Lucifer fall. Turn back. Recover your dear and early love, for there is no time to waste. For I'm well on my way from removing your light from the golden circle. There's a lot of things in this version that I kind of want to touch on. The first thing is the word first love. And as I was reading this, I, I decided to do some digging into different commentaries. And one of them uh, was this guy that was translating the Bible from Aramaic into English, which is really interesting. And something that he focused on, which was a little strange, was instead of focusing on the word love, which a lot of translators would do, they would see the word love and say, let's focus on that. 
he actually focused on the word first. And I find that very interesting. And he actually talked about how the word first is actually probably a poor representation of what is actually being said here. You know, because when I think of my first love, you know, it's not my wife. It's not even Jesus. My, my first love was probably Batman. <laughs> and I don't know about you, like, like maybe you think about your past relationships. Like maybe your first love isn't the person you ended up marrying. And you're like, I don't want to return to them. <laughs> right? So what, what is the actual proper translation? And in Aramaic, first actually means these four words, which I think are really beautiful. Greatest, foremost, my supreme, and the crowning. That changes basically everything. Right? This is no longer about my original love, but my greatest love. It's no longer about the first love I had, but my supreme love. You know, I've actually been thinking about this supreme love lately. You know, about three months ago, I became a father, which was super exciting for me. And I, I have this cute little boy that I love dearly. And I, something I say to him all the time is, I'm your second favorite person. Because I'm not his first. I know that. I know that when I'm holding him, that I'm not his supreme, that I'm not his greatest, that I'm not his foremost. And I know this for one reason, because I see the look on his face when I take him away from his supreme, when I take him away from his foremost, when I take him away from his greatest, which is, of course, his mother, <laughs> right? She's his lifeblood. She's his everything. And something that I find so fascinating about him and his relationship with his mother is how he interacts when I do take him away. And sometimes I think, like, why aren't we like that? Because, you know, I like to think that more often than not, I'm sitting in the camp of genuine love for Christ. But sometimes I feel, I feel myself walking over to duty, and sometimes I don't even think twice about it. And I'm like, can't, how can I be more like my son that when I feel myself drifting from my genuine love, from my supreme, my foremost, my greatest, that I'm like, no, bring me back. Bring me back to my greatest because that is everything. I don't want anything else because it's not worth it. You know, and, and, and this is the thing, guys, is that when we're sitting in this camp, when we're actually in the genuine love for Christ, we are bathing in his presence. Right? And, and when we're bathing in the presence of Jesus, we become to start to act more like him. And this is where the church of Ephesus was also failing, right? Because it says, return to the acts of love you did at first. Return to the acts of love you did while you were in the presence of your greatest, of your supreme, of your foremost. Which is how Jesus acted when he was on earth. You know, and Jesus acted with such great and passionate love for other people. And that's kind of like this huge thing that they were missing out which Jesus even commanded us in John 15, 7 through 12. So this is my command, love each other deeply as much as I have loved you. For the greatest love of all is the love that sacrifices all. And great love is demonstrated when a person sacrifices his life for his friend. You show that you are my intimate friends when you obey all that I command. 
Now, the people over here in the camp of duty were still obeying what Jesus commanded, but they weren't doing it out of genuine love. Right? And when we're doing it of genuine love, we do it here because we are called his intimate friends. I don't know about you guys, but I want to be an intimate friend of Jesus. And we're intimate friends of Jesus because he never called us servants. Because a master doesn't confide in his servants. And servants don't always understand what the master is doing. But he calls us most intimate and cherished friends. For I reveal to you everything that I've heard from my Father. You don't choose me, but I've chosen you. And I have commissioned you to go into the world to bear fruit, and your fruit will last, because whatever you ask for my Father, for my sake, I will give to you. This is my partnering command, love each other deeply. This is the commandment, guys. These are the two things that Ephesus was missing out. They were missing out on love of God and love of others. And if we miss this, if we don't get this, you know, when Jesus was talking to the Pharisees, he said this is the fulfillment of the law. So if we don't get the point of loving Jesus and loving others, it means we don't understand his book. It means we don't understand everything that Jesus taught. It means that we are just missing the mark. And I'm not okay with missing the mark. Especially because if we miss the mark, it's kind of a big deal. And I'll, I'll tell you why. Because in Revelations 2.5 it says, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place of influence if you do not repent. That's big. That is big for a couple reasons. Because when I'm sitting over here with genuine love for Christ, I am sitting in his presence. I am sitting in the glow of Jesus. I am sitting in the light of the world. Right? But when I start shifting and moving away from his love and, and moving away from a genuine love for him, now the light is far away. And Christ saying that if we don't repent from this, if we don't repent from not loving Christ and not loving others, he's going to remove the lampstand. Now, and you sound like, well, what's the lampstand? It's simple. It is the light. It means that Christ will remove the lampstand and we will not find our way back. I don't know about you, but I want to make sure that I always know my way back to Jesus that I always know my way back to him. Because if I don't, I am in trouble. I am worried about myself. And then it says to repent. This is the beauty of Jesus, guys, is that Jesus cares for you deeply. You know, it says we love him because he first loved us. And he shows his love for us for calling us back to him. You know, if Jesus didn't care about you, he would have been like, okay, you don't love me, that's fine. That's how we act as humans, you know. When someone hurts us, when someone betrays us, when someone's like, I no longer like you, we're like, okay, I'm just going to move on from you as a person. But Jesus is better than us, right? When we start moving away from him and saying, yeah, I don't love you anymore. And then Jesus is saying, I'm going to call you back to me. And call you to repent. 
you know, a lot of times we use this word and there's like a thousand different definitions for it. So I, I just want to share with you guys my definition. I believe that repentance means to accept that you've done something wrong. So when I, when I feel myself moving away from his genuine love, I know I'm doing something wrong. Because I know I need to be in his presence. I know I need to be in love with Jesus. So I'm able to accept that I've done something wrong, but we can't stop there, right? Because then I can accept I've done something wrong, and we do this all the time. We accept that we do something wrong, we're like, well, I'm doing something wrong, but that's okay, and then we keep doing it, right? That's not repentance. Repentance means to accept that you've done something wrong, and then return home to Christ. So I, I admit that I've done something wrong, and I need to return home to him so that I can become more like him. See, I need to sit in his presence. I need to bathe in it. I need to soak it in so I can become more like him. Because that is his commandment overall, right, is to love Jesus, love God with everything that we have, and to love others the way that he loved us. This is simple. But if we don't get it, we're missing something huge. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm not willing to not get this. But there's also a beauty of this passage. It doesn't end with, if you don't get this, I'm removing your lamp. You know, it, it ends with this other beautiful moment which is in Revelations 2, verse 7. To the one whose heart is open, let him listen carefully to what the Spirit is saying. Now to all the churches, to the one who overcomes, I will give him access to the feast on the fruit of the tree of life, which is found in paradise with God. See, I don't know about you guys today is that, is that I'm ready for my heart to be open. Is that I, I'm tired of not sitting in his presence completely. And that today I, I, I need to listen carefully to what Jesus is saying, which is return to me. Return to me today. Because the things I have for you when you were in my presence is greater than the things that are waiting for you when you're not. So I can be doing things in duty. I can be doing things that are good. You know, I can hate what is evil. I can endure persecution. I can be able to determine what false teaching is. But if I do not have the love for God, it means nothing. But if I do those things out of a genuine love for Christ, it means everything. Because when we do things out of a genuine love for Christ, we become overcomers. And overcomers get to feast in paradise with God. So the reason that I said at the beginning that I believe this is one of the most important letters it's because essentially Jesus is calling them to eternal life. 
Is that he's saying, right now you're not in eternal life with me. Right now you're straying away from that. And I'm calling you back home to eternal life. I'm calling you back home to me. I'm saying, come home to me and become more like me. Because he is perfection. He is everything I hope I can attain. It's because what I feel when I'm not in his presence is never as good as when I'm in it. So let's stand, church, today, and we're just going to end in prayer. And we're going to, you know, just bathe in the glory of Christ. Bathe in the fact that he is calling you home. That if you have strayed away today, if you strayed away from his love, that's okay. Because he's calling you back home to it. I don't know about you guys, but I'm ready to walk back home. Dear Jesus, I thank you so much for what you've done today. I thank you so much that you love us so much that you're not okay with leaving us where we are, but calling us closer to you. That you're not okay with us doing things out of duty, doing things out of routine, but you're calling us to do things out of genuine love for you. And that through that, we will share your love to the world. God, I just pray this blessing over your people. I pray that they will sit in your love, that they will know you deeply, and that they will show your love to others passionately. I just pray, God, that your love would sit over its people. I pray for all these amazing things in your holy name. Amen.